Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Talbot. And I'm Maciel Davila Ferrer. And we welcome you to our ongoing series on trusting God's way. As a matter of fact, we're talking about trusting God's way to the promised land. Yes, we've been in and around all kinds of experiences, and now we find ourselves meeting a very exciting biblical (laughs) character. character. We're in the stage in which um, now they're going to get judges, and Mm -hmm. these judges are not... Uh, what we think of right now in Mm -hmm. our society, judges. Mm -hmm. But this is the time when God will deliver them through a person that He appoints and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon them and they, you know, do battle or whatever they need to do to deliver the people of Israel who are already living now in in the promised land. Yes, we're already removed from Joshua, from his leadership, Mm -hmm. and we're well into their time in the promised land. And things are kind of shifting. They're not the ideal situation that it should be. Yeah, we have cycles in mm-hmm. which they, they do wrong and, they, and they, they get oppressed by their enemies. And then all of a sudden they cry out to the Lord again and God delivers them through a, you know, a judge, a deliverer, a leader. And he's faithful. He's faithful to deliver them even yeah. though he's, he's persistent. <laughs> God is so persistent. Repetition exactly. of our messes. And today, you know, we're in Judges chapter 4. They have, uh, you know, they have done evil again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this this um, this uh, word again that happens so many times mm-hmm. in the book of Judges when it has to do with them doing evil. You know, uh, it, it appears again in chapter four, verse one of Judges. Do you want to you want to read it? I do. I'm so glad that my life isn't in an account because it would have been yes. again and again and again yes. and again because yes. we can easily judge Israel. Yeah. So. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1. Yes. After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, so so this was a, another a judge before it, but they did again evil in the sight of the Lord. And so some of these um, this stages lasted 40 years, some lasted 80 years. And so here we all of a sudden get somebody that we were not expecting. And and so let's let's get started with the fact that so many times God calls people to ministry uh, in a way that is counterculture. Mm-hmm. That is not what the culture was expecting. It's not the status quo. It's not who the culture was expecting. Yeah, yeah. So here we have uh, two women pastors doing this radio program right Hello, now. Hello, out <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, and and it's a little you know different. Yes. Uh, yeah. A lot of people still struggle with mm-hmm. that. And here we have a, a leader that is going to be a woman in the middle of a, a male-dominated culture, right? And during very intense times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Uh, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your calling as a pastor? How did that happen? Oh, I would love to. So I grew up in the church, and my life was going to church. My family was involved. My dad was an elder. Our youth group was super involved. So this is where happy. in Nicaragua? Oh no! So this, this is I, I was, in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Okay, holler. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> hello <laughs> to the two listeners. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So, they know they know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up, and around the time I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I really felt that coming. And my dad, he was a product of his, you know, more conservative, Central mm-hmm. American, male-dominated mm-hmm. upbringing. And I think that God was preparing him to deal with <laughs> the idea. <laughs> yeah. um, so when I was 16, I certainly I preached my first sermon. I loved being at church. And from then, it was an unshakable thing. So I'm 36 now. That's 20 years of my life that 
I have felt this and constantly kind of on the edges. I don't quite fit. Yeah, it's not a but, normal but thing. You, but you love you love what I you love do. It. I, I love see it. it. I can't so imagine you, you went else. to seminary, right, and everything. Yeah. So you've been a pastor for more than 13 years, yeah, right? Yeah, 14 in September. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. In my case, uh, you know, I went to the business world for 15 years here in the United mm-hmm. States. And uh, I loved studying the Bible and teaching the Bible. But, uh, you know, I never thought of being a pastor because it wasn't part of my Hispanic culture. We have to get through those yeah, blocks in exactly. our head, those walls of and Jericho. Then, and they had, a, I had already done a master's in corporate psychology. Mm-hmm. I had my whole career in the business world. And that call came to go full-time into ministry Wow! Uh, when I was already older, right? And from there, the whole thing started. It's been almost 20 years since wow. that day. And then I got in the academic side and then master's and PhD and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God takes you sometimes to unexpected places in, in, in your calling. And so right now, we want to make it very personal. Are we ready to trust God's way in His plan for our life, not just in redemption history <laughs> and the promised land? Absolutely. And, and especially when you know you will find a position in the process. Yes. And and how many times have you been looking and, and you're not sure? I know that I've been sharing with you some of the things that I'm just not sure about what it looks like on the other side and yeah. the crossing and, and the fear that I, that I have about that. Yeah. And I can really identify with these characters yeah. in their certainty like going yes. back and so, forth so are you being sure afraid. you call the right one yes. God, yeah yes so we're going to get into the the story of deborah deborah um comes into a place in israel's history that they again had done like we said evil in the sight of the lord chapter four of judges and uh they are being oppressed and we need a military force a a, a warrior yes. we need somebody that will lead israel and so we want to come to see this mighty warrior warrior that God is going to raise up as a leader, and we find a woman. And we're like, (laughs) what? So we're going to take it from there, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 and 4. Okay. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth, Hegoim. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. So for 20 years, they're having this this military problem, and now they have to do something about it. So God is going to raise up a leader, verse 4. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. And so we are shocked by this by this it, verse. It does. It's like we've yeah. hit a speed bump exactly. because we haven't encountered something like this before. Yes, and, and as a matter of fact, of all the book of Judges... All the judges, she's the only one that would be called a prophet. That is a powerful word. Yes. So she's not only judging because yes. see, the judges, what they did, they taught the law. Mm-hmm. They made decisions mm-hmm. uh, in legal official matters. Uh, they, 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 they taught the word of God mm-hmm. to the people. On top of that, she was a prophetess. And, and we're noticing that she's not sharing this leadership with her husband, is she? No, it's very interesting because we do have this, uh, this side here that says the wife of Lapidoth because some people say, well, maybe there wasn't anybody there. Or maybe she had no husband. No. no, she had a husband, but she was the one called. She, the right? calling was on her. And so it says that when they, they would get to her for, for some kind of judgment that was needed, she used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah, and this is verse 5, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the sons of Israel came up to her for judgment. So... <laughs> We're getting an impression that we have a very wise, level-headed, mm-hmm. capable leader. Yes. Seeing them through this 
time of crisis. Yeah, and it's interesting because this will become her identity later on in a song that we're going to talk about in our next program. She calls herself a mother to Israel. I love that. Can, yeah, you, ta- yeah. can you tell us about it? What that means? <laughs> yeah, but we're actually going oh. to go to, to there in the next oh, program. Oh, no, the anticipation. The yeah. I won't be able to... It's interesting because she's not saying, well, I'm the only one, I'm the mm-hmm. best one. She's mm-hmm. not talking like that. She's saying, I'm a mother to Israel. Yes. This is my role, you know? Yes. And There's so, a lot of humility in the way. Yes, like, absolutely. We see that laced in how she addresses even uh, Barak as... Yeah. I, we'll get that uh, there. Yes, and this is a, a time when women's wisdom was not in high esteem, mm-hmm. right? So that God would choose a woman who would be a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, giving God's decrees and laws. Uh, I'm familiar to people in that culture that a woman would do this. Obviously, she's multi-gifted and she's courageous because <laughs> I don't know if you saw this program that we did for television, but I keep grabbing things saying, OK, this is Deborah. She has a um, she's like in the kitchen, right? When we started the program <laughs> and then, you know, we have a pan in our hand. Yes. yes, that's what women were supposed to do. And then we have the roll of the law, the, yeah. the, like that scroll, right next to it. And then she, we have a sword because she will go to and it's <laughs> like battle. how many things, you know, can this woman do? And, and God had chosen her. You know, I. I love the expression church ladies and I say it with all my love and respect because yes. I think how many of us can think of a church lady who's doing that handling so many things and, yeah, and keeping exactly. our churches together exactly. as well and I do think that part of accepting uh, trusting God's way mm-hmm. is to know that He will send us sometimes into unexpected places. God thinks outside the box. And perhaps there is an, uh, somebody in the audience today saying, you know, I feel this call to something, whether yes. it's a woman feeling the call to ministry mm-hmm. or a man feeling, you know, whatever that they have to go to an academic setting or yeah. somebody that wants to go to do a jail uh, ministry, a prison ministry. I mean, different things that you feel a call and you say, no, there's no way, you know, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, but God God does these <laughs> unexpected things. And maybe yeah. somebody is having the reverse impression that yeah. the unlikely person has come before yeah. you and you are to support them. Yeah, and I it's do. just different. It's not how you would have written it. But yes. if you're trusting God as well, yeah. you can let somebody who yeah. <laughs> doesn't look or sound <laughs> and, how and you actually, thought they when would. when we go back to the Bible, we find all the time that God has chosen people that we were not expecting. I mean, the, the most unlikely disciples are the one that Jesus chose. And, and the prophets have all kinds <laughs> of things that you went going what yeah. God chose who you know I can feel that I feel that that I was the unlikely choice but he called me and I, I must answer I don't know if that's an experience you've had yeah well for many reasons by the way if you ever feel qualified when God calls you uh, you're not the right person Maybe slow down yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> because you always uh, look behind you thinking that God is talking to somebody yeah. else when Ooh, you get me? the call yeah like Moses stuttering yeah, right like yeah. who, who are you calling here really <laughs> so uh, this part of the uh, the stage, the stage in, in Israel's history, we're going to see that there's a battle coming up mm-hmm. and that we're going to discuss tomorrow. But, uh, you know, she has a, a message and the message from God says, I will draw out on verse seven of chapter four of Judges to you, Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his many troops. I will give him into your hand. And you're saying, OK, so who is, is exactly going to battle and how come they already know the outcome? And it's yes. because she's a prophetess aside yes, from being can, a leader it's that 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 promise yes but it is already completed yeah, it's an assured assured yes. thing so the, what we want to leave with you today is that 
in this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm. uh, there's a reversal of values in light mm. of the cross. You know, uh, God always called the ones that didn't seem to qualify. Like, like for example, uh, <laughs> the Gospel of Luke talks about this: that the first, um, the first witnesses of, of of Jesus' birth were shepherds. Shepherds would, would have been a crazy, crazy thing at that time. <laughs> Just hanging out in a field, uh, exactly. And the Messiah. And actually, I want to say something about that. Uh, there were two groups of people that were not accepted in society to testify in court because they were thought to be so low in mm. this in this social strata. Mm-hmm. There were shepherds and women. Mm. And God chose the first witnesses of Jesus' birth as shepherds and the first witnesses of his resurrection, women. <laughs> so can you imagine God saying, look, there's a reversal of values yes. in light of the cross. Yes. I'm so. so relieved that that includes me, that he doesn't yeah. disqualify my testimony. In fact, that my being on the outskirts is what qualifies me yeah. to be a servant. Yeah, and that's why Paul says, look, once you accepted the gospel, those differences that the culture offered, Jew and Gentile yes. and master and slave and men and women, no longer qualify because every person that gets the gospel will want to go share it. So you can no longer um, stigmatize, nope. marginalize, you know, ostracize. You cannot do any of that anymore once you understood the gospel because the the ground is even at the foot of the cross. There, <laughs> I love that image. We can stand side by side and all of my insecurities, all of that, those worries, they can get cast out because yeah. he's chosen me. Yeah. And he's chosen you. Exactly. And he's chosen, he's chosen you. Exactly. Everybody that is listening. Absolutely. And if you have felt left out, if somebody has said, oh, and you're not chosen because of the color of your skin or mm-hmm. because of your accent or because of your gender or whatever else they have told you. God has chosen you. As a matter of fact, He chooses all of us for ministry to advance the gospel uh, message of the kingdom here on earth. You know, I think that my differences actually are my superpowers. They're the things that <laughs> help me see things differently because He's given that me God, that line of sight. And that God uses for His yes. glory. And I want to leave you with Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be be of God and not from ourselves. So what is going to shine is not us. Mm-hmm. What's going to shine is the power of the gospel because the gospel is powerful to save. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus 101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus 101 Media. Until next time, live free. Woohoo!